Well, hello, Valley Creek family. It is so good to see you. It is good to be with you. It's just good to be together as a church family. So wherever you're joining us from, one of our campuses online or one of our extension sites, can we just welcome each other and celebrate how good it is to be together as a family? I tell you what, I hope you're having the best summer ever. I really do. And I hope that you're also leaning into the series that we are in. We're in the middle of our series called Face to Face, Learning to Become a Great Friend. I don't know about you, but man, I wanna have great friends and I wanna be a great friend. And so these messages have been really helpful for me. You see, we've been looking at traits or characteristics of a great friend that Jesus has modeled for us. Jesus taught us that great friends are available. We learned that in the first week. And then last week we learned that great friends pursue others. And so today I am so excited to talk about another trait that Jesus demonstrated really well. I'll be honest with you. I think this trait may be the most important ingredient of a great friend. And I also think it's the most difficult one for us. It's a trait that doesn't come easy. It doesn't come naturally. In fact, if I see somebody and they're demonstrating this trait really well, I think, okay, it's either supernatural or they're a superhero, one of the two. And the trait that I'm talking about is awareness. Awareness. How aware are you of your friends? The definition of the word awareness is this, to have knowledge and understanding that something is happening or exists. Okay, for the context of our conversation today, I'm gonna to tweak it just a little bit and say that awareness is to have knowledge and understanding that something is happening and someone exists and that someone is your friend. Words that are related to awareness are great words like attentive and watchful and mindful. And I love this one, wide awake, wide awake. So how does that relate to friendship? Well. Great friends are aware. They're aware of the big things and the small things. They're aware of the obvious things and the hidden things. They live wide awake and they know that something is always going on with their friends. They know that friendship is not like a crock pot. You can't set it and forget it. But no, you live day in, day out, very aware that something's always cooking with your friends. And the reason I think awareness is so rare today is because we live in a time where we are hyper aware of ourselves, but we're hardly aware of other people. Wouldn't you agree with that? And, and I'll tell you what, I blame it on the eye movement, the iPad, the iPod, the iPhone, the iTunes, the iPhone, the iWatch, the i this, the i that. Now, before we have a little Apple uprising here, let me just say I have plenty of Mac products. I love me some Mac products. That's not... The point, the point is that we live in a society that's trying really hard to shape us. And society wants to shape us to live self-serving, self-centered, dare I say selfish lives. Society really wants us to think about our needs and our desires and ourself. And the truth is, the more that we focus on ourself, the less aware we are of anybody much less our friends. Now here's the irony of it. Even though we're hyper aware of self, I don't think in the least that we are self aware. 
I don't think we're aware of what our behavior really looks like. I don't think we're aware of what our tone really sounds like. I don't think we're aware of how we truly impact other people because honestly, if we were really aware of that, we would realize we're just people in a desperate need for Jesus. That's what we would be self-aware of. But the good news is that Jesus is very aware of us. So we have been kind of found home base for this series in John 15. If you've got a Bible, flip open to John 15. I wanna go there today and I wanna look at these scriptures through a fresh lens today. I wanna look at them through the lens of awareness and see what might Jesus be trying to show us about how to be a great friend by being aware. So in John chapter 15, we're gonna pick up on verse 12. And it says this, Jesus is speaking, he's talking to his disciples, and he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything I learned from my father, I've made known to you. I've called you friends. Those are Jesus' words to the disciples, and actually those are Jesus' words to you and me, and I don't know about you, but I really can't grasp that. Can you? I mean, the darling of heaven, love personified, the savior of the world, he calls you and me friends. And he says in verse 13, he makes a statement that I think shows how uh, in tune he is on this topic of awareness. He says in verse 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now you may say, well, that sounds more like sacrifice than awareness, but think of it this way. If Jesus was going to meet a need, he had to be aware of what the need is that he's meeting. And when it came to the needs of his friends, the disciples, you see it all through scripture. You see, he was aware of them. He was aware of their potential. And that's why he called a fisherman and a tax collector to a destiny greater than anything that they themselves could have ever seen. And he invited them. He said, come on and and go with me. And as he ministered to people, he was aware that they were watching him as he did miracles, as he taught with authority. He was also aware at times that when he was speaking to the crowd, they didn't get it. And so what would he do? He would pull them aside and say, hey guys, let's talk about this. And he would break it down and explain it in a way that they could understand. He was also aware of their physical needs. Man, after a long day of ministry, he would look and he'd be like, they're tired and they're hungry. So what would he do? Hey guys, come come away with me. And he'd pull them together and he'd pull them away with them and they would eat and they would rest. He loved his friends so well because he was so aware of them. I guess you could say that he just, he gets them. I think that's how we say it today, man, he just gets them. But here's the thing, he gets you and he gets me. And what's beautiful is before we were ever aware of Jesus, oh, he was very aware of us. He was aware of our failure and our struggle and our shortcoming and our sin. He was very aware of what our need would be and that's why he selflessly left heaven and came. He even lived, he walked on this planet so that he could be more aware of what our lives would be like. That's how much he loved us. And I think today maybe, just maybe, he's inviting us to be part of something bigger than ourselves to lay down society's self-focused and self-centered lens and to look through a different lens 
and to see our friends. So, a few thoughts that I think we can learn from Jesus on how awareness is a part of becoming a great friend. And I think the first thought is this, to be aware, we have to see people. We have to see people. Now you may say, I see my friends, I see my friends every day, I see them all the time. Yes, you do. And we also see through people. And you know this is true because it's happened to you. Maybe it's happened at the coffee shop when you've gone in and it's taken the barista forever to fix your coffee drink and you're standing, you're on the other side of the counter, right? It's like three feet away and you're standing there and you're thinking, does she see me? Is she even aware that I'm standing here? And you smile and she stirs and you <clears throat> clear your throat and she stirs and you're thinking, is she even aware? Maybe it's when you go to a restaurant and you're sitting at your table and the waiter walks by two, three, four times and you're like, are, are they even aware that I'm sitting in their section? Or what I think is the worst, the airport. You go to the ticket agents and they're doing this and you're thinking, what on earth are they typing? And they're doing this and you're thinking, lady, are you even aware that anybody is in this entire terminal? And then after a long time, you get the parade wave next in line and you realize she's waving in the guy in the first class line beside you. That's always the worst. <laughs> but here's the thing, when people look through you, when they seem to be unaware of you, how does that make you feel? Does it make you feel irritated, frustrated, maybe even angry? <laughs> And if those people who are strangers seem unaware of you and it brings up those feelings, how much more if it's one of your closest friends and you're thinking, man, are they even aware of what I'm going through? You see, I think when those strangers are unaware of us or seem to be, it brings up all of those negative emotions because really our needs aren't being met. I mean, come on, we've got to get that coffee because we're in a hurry. We've got to get to class or we've got to get to the office. We need to hurry up and place our order because we've got tickets to a concert or to a movie. Lady, I've got to hurry and get on this airplane because I have a connection. We live a hurried life that sometimes is focused on our needs. So before we get too frustrated that they're not aware of us, maybe we should ask, are we aware of them? Because sometimes, maybe even oftentimes, we're unaware of strangers and sometimes we're unaware of our closest friends. But here's the good news, our God, he is always aware. He is always aware of us. In Genesis chapter 16, he is described as you are the God who sees me. Right now, you are the God who sees me. And Jesus was aware. He was aware that Peter, that Peter would deny him. He was aware that Judas would betray him. He was aware that Thomas would doubt him. And now you're thinking, man, I'm aware that Peter had some, I mean, that Jesus had some pretty crazy friends or some lame friends or something. But here's the thing. Jesus loved them despite all of that because his awareness came from a kingdom focus, from a kingdom focus. You see, the world will look through people, but the kingdom looks for people. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He was looking for people. And when we put that lens on, we see things different. We see through the kingdom lens and we see people with compassion and not criticism. We extend patience, we don't expect performance, we desire to learn about them, we don't demand to be served by them. 
All of that changes with a kingdom focus, and it really allows us to see people and not the problems that the people are causing. This is what Jesus was aware of. He was aware of the people and not the problems being caused by the people. Remember when he gave sight back to the blind man? It's recorded in three gospels. I like it in Matthew chapter 20. In Matthew 20, beginning in verse 29, just listen to what this says. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting beside roadside and they heard when Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them, told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped. He called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them. He touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight. The crowd shouted, but Jesus stopped. The crowd rebuked them because they saw a problem, but Jesus reached out to him because he saw a person. And and what I really like is, did you catch that he didn't tell them what they needed? Did you catch that? He asked them what they wanted. And I think it is so powerful because I also think he gave them more than just the ability to see. I think he gave them the ability to have a kingdom lens because as soon as they saw, they started following, excuse me, they started following Jesus. So here's a question. When you're aware of a friend's hardship, do you ask them what they want or do you tell them what they need? I think we do this unintentionally because when there are close friends, we start to look at them through the lens of yesterday, through the lens of their past behavior. And we say things like this, oh, that's just the way he is, or oh, she'll get over it. We don't mean to, but when we look through the lens of yesterday, it can make us insensitive. We're so used to looking at their face, we forget to look in their heart. And sometimes we actually don't want to look in their heart because we're afraid. We're afraid that if we look in their heart, then we're going to see a need. And we believe that if we see that need, that we just became responsible to fix it. And let's be honest, we can't fix our own problems, much less fix other people's, right? But here's the thing, being aware doesn't make you accountable to fix them. It makes you available to love them. My daughter is going to be um, a sophomore in college in the fall. She's going to live with five girls in one house. Five college girls, one house. Now that's awareness of a completely different kind. And one of the girls who's going to be living there, she's an incoming freshman, and she's moving from China to the U.S. Okay, moving from China to the United States. That's culture shift. Moving from China to Texas is culture shock. And one of the upperclassmen who's gonna be roommates, she realized this and she thought about it. She went to her mom and dad and she said, hey, um, can I go to China? And they said, what do you mean? She said, I really wanna go and I wanna spend some time with her. I wanna see, I wanna see her room. I wanna see the the school she graduated from. I wanna meet her friends. You see, this 20-year-old young adult was aware that this incoming freshman was going to need somebody who saw where she's been so she could encourage her on where she's going. And she was willing to make the sacrifice for that. That blows me away. I wanna be like that when I grow up, willing to make those kind of sacrifices. In fact, if anyone is is viewing from online and you're gonna relocate to Texas and you're moving from Hawaii or Paris or Australia, 
I will come. I will make the sacrifice to help you because I want to be a good friend in Honolulu. I do. So how do we do this? How do we shift from being self-focused to focusing on our friends? I don't think it's that hard. I think we just need to slow down and be intentional. We need to slow down, take time, make time to spend with our friends. And when we're with them, be intentional. Think about, man, when was the last time they really shared their heart with me? Listen, great things come with intentionality. It was pretty intentional for Jesus to leave heaven and come here for us. And it takes intentionality for us to receive the gift of grace that he gives us. Intentionality can be where great friendships start. And before I wrap up this point, let me just say this. If you're here and you're thinking, that's all good and fine, but man, I just really wish somebody would be aware of me. I just wish somebody would see me. Can I encourage you? One of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible is found in Proverbs 11. And it said, he who refreshes others will be refreshed. If you're desperate to have somebody aware of you, go and show awareness of your friends and then you will be surprised at how Jesus will refresh you and you'll become aware of that in a whole new way. I think Jesus would say we need to see people. I think the second thing he would teach us about being aware is to say we've gotta ask questions. We need to ask questions. So I'm gonna start and I'm gonna ask you a question. What kind of questions do we ask each other? I was thinking about this and I've decided that we ask each other three word questions. How's it going? How are you? What's up today? We ask each other three word questions that have the depth of a kiddie pool. And because our questions are so shallow, we ask three word questions and we get two word answers. I'm fine, all good, so busy. I mean, stop and think about it. When was the last time you asked somebody a question that required more than a two word answer? Or maybe, when was the last time someone asked you? A thought provoking, heart searching question. And if you can remember that, How did it make you feel? How did that make you feel? See, I'm convinced we are starving for conversations with our friends that are meaningful, but those conversations happen face to face and we don't live face to face anymore. We live shoulder to shoulder, we live back to back. And honestly, we're okay with those two word answers. We are. Because if somebody starts to ask a question that takes more than a two word answer, we get skeptical. We maybe even get a little paranoid. What'd you ask me that for? Why do you need to know? If we sense that a deep question is coming, you know what we do? We put on our arm floaties and we just start to back up out of that situation. Why? Because we're not comfortable. We're not comfortable answering those deep questions and we're surely not comfortable asking them. Isn't that right? You'd say sure is, see what I mean? (laughs) But Jesus was the ultimate friend because he did not shy away from those questions. He asked Peter, Peter, who do you say I am? He asked Peter three times, do you love me? He asked the disciples, do you guys want to leave me too? He asked a lame man, do you want to get well? (laughs) You see, good questions don't come from assumptions. Remember, he could have asked the blind guys, do you want to see? I mean, that would have been a safe question and a safe assumption, but he didn't. Instead, he asked them, what do you want? And his simple question led to a profound miracle. And that wasn't the only place. It happened with the woman at the well. Remember, she's in John chapter four. 
It's a conversation between Jesus and a Samaritan woman. Society would have not wanted them at all to be friends, but they're at the well. Jesus asks her a real simple question. Will you give me a drink? And that one question opened up a conversation. And in the course of that conversation, Jesus began to show her how aware he was of her. And before it was over, she discovered his true identity as the Messiah, and she discovered her true identity as a beloved daughter. It was an everyday event, y'all, that just took one simple question and it turned into something that changed her life forever. And I think that when good friends ask great questions, it can take something that's unknown and make it known and it can literally change their life forever. I think a good question is kind of like the can opener of a heart. That's the way I see it. It takes off the lid of a heart. And just like a can, if a can doesn't have a wrapper on it and you might not have any idea what's gonna come out, sometimes your friend's hearts are like that too because they don't even know what's in there. That's why we need each other to ask questions. If we could ask ourselves the question, we wouldn't need each other, but y'all, that would just be kind of awkward. So Becca, how did that make you feel? Well, actually, it kind of hurt my heart a little. Really, do you think there's a wound in there? It could be, okay, that just makes me look crazy and I don't need any help in that area. I do real well there by myself. But great friends ask good questions because they help us become aware. They help us hear what people are and what people are not saying. Sometimes being a great friend is hearing what your friend is not saying. And sometimes it's loving them despite what they are saying. And I'll tell you this, I believe the best questions often will come from places of our brokenness. Uh, I've experienced this personally. It's not been my favorite, but I'm telling you, some of my most meaningful discussions with my closest friends have been when we are just getting real. We are real with each other. We are real with God. And we're asking questions from places of our, our brokenness. I can't explain it, but I will not deny it. It is so powerful. But it only happens when we're willing to lay down or drop our pride. When Jesus said that we have to lay down your life for your friend, I think sometimes that means laying down our pride with our friends and being willing to have some of those hard conversations because when we do that, then it opens up this, this place between us and they feel safe. You say, what kind of hard conversations am I talking about? I'm talking about that unwanted divorce. I'm talking about that miscarriage. I'm talking about that job interview that you wanted so badly and it didn't work out. I'm talking about the addiction that maybe has had you in bondage for years. When we're willing to share that, and lean into them, they will lean back into us, and that's where we find freedom, when we're willing to ask questions tenderly, carefully of their heart in those places. Sharing our struggles face-to-face will always connect heart-to-heart, and that is the birthplace of true, great friendships. So, how do we do this? How do we ask people questions? I'm gonna help out all of my introverted friends in the room whose little palms are sweating right now because they're thinking, I can't believe she's asking me to talk to people and ask them questions. I'm gonna give you, we said that there were three word questions that we're asking. I'm gonna give you three good words. It'll work every time. Here's the first one. Tell me more. That's it, just tell me more. So when they say, oh, I'm all good. Really, well, tell me more. When they say, oh, I'm so busy. Well, tell me more. When they say, I'm okay, really? Why don't you tell me more? And then after that, here's three more words for you. Ask, listen, and respond. I 
I think sometimes we don't want to do it because we feel like, oh, I've got to have an answer. It's okay, Jesus has got that covered too. He told the disciples, I'm going to paraphrase, he said, fellas, y'all are going to get in a heap big trouble, you're going to be a messes, and you're not going to have any idea what to do or say. But he tells them in Luke 12, 12, don't sweat it, don't worry about it, because the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. Listen, the Holy Spirit's inside of you, and he wants out. So it's okay to ask questions and then just follow his lead. I think Jesus would say, see people, ask questions, and then as you're trying to be aware, take action. Take action. Listen, we can see them all day. We can ask them questions, but if we don't take action on what we have discovered, we've missed it. We've just missed it. Several years ago, I was here at the church on a Sunday, and it was the Sunday before Memorial Monday, and to be honest with you, I was kind of blue. I was just kind of, kind of down. And some friends saw me. They didn't see through me. They saw me. And they came over and they asked me a question. So what are you going to do for Memorial Day tomorrow? And I told them, I said, well, I said, my husband's traveling. So it's just me and the kids. So kind of bummed about that. And then I popped off this sarcastic comment. I said, actually, I'm going to sit on my front porch and I'm going to wait for the barbecue ferry. Because that's what we do in Texas on Memorial Day. We usually eat good barbecue. And we all got a good laugh. And they went on their way. And I sat there and still kind of felt a little sad and just didn't think much about it. The next day, 11 o'clock in the morning, my doorbell rings. My doorbell rings and I go to my door and I open it and guess what? My friends are the barbecue fairies. (laughs) They're standing there holding a perfectly smoked brisket. And I do what any strong woman would do. I just started bawling right there. Just, just, it it just overwhelmed me. Why? because they took action. It was the most unexpected, tangible expression of love and it completely caught me. They would have never dreamed of being satisfied with this kiddie pool small talk on Sunday. They knew that they needed to take action and so they did. And I felt so loved. John 15, 12, Jesus says, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, the one who takes action and lays down his life for his friends. Jesus didn't stop at loving us. He took action. And the action that he took, he did it even knowing that some wouldn't receive it. And he took that action, yes, because he loved us, but he also did it because he loved his father and wanted to be obedient to him. So we too can take action with our friends, not because they expect it, maybe not even because they deserve it, but because we wanna show love and be obedient to our father. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers or sisters, you did for me. So when we're doing it for them, we're actually doing it for him. So how do we do this? The parable of Nike. The parable of Nike, just do it. Just (laughs) do it. Just do it. Don't worry about how it's gonna turn out. Now granted, that brisket, it was so good. I ate most of it, I gave the children a little bit, but it was so good. But if it would have been burned to a crisp, honestly, I don't think I would have cared. I would have still felt so loved. Listen to me. The paralysis of perfectionism will rob you of the joy of being a good friend. The paralysis of perfectionism. You think, I can't do it because it's got to be homemade. I can't do it because it's got to fill in the blank. It will paralyze you and it will rob you. And I'm passionate about this because I think we know what that action is because we hear God. John 8, 47 says that if you belong to God, you hear his voice. We hear his voice. We know what to do 
We've just got to follow the parable of Nike and do it. We've just got to do it. I want to wrap this up with what I think is one of the greatest demonstrations of friendship in the scripture. It's with Jesus and one of his very best friends, and her name is Mary Magdalene. Now, by today's standards, people would say Mary Magdalene was a hot mess, but she wasn't. She was a broken, tormented woman who was possessed by seven demons. I want you to catch the weight of that. Waking up every day outnumbered by evil, seven to one. Every day, every day, that was her battle. In the morning, it was the first thing she dealt with and before she fell asleep at night, it was the last thing she thought of. Every day, that was her life. And then he came into it. She met Jesus and he changed everything. He gave her freedom and in return, She gave him her life and her love. And so you can imagine how devastated she was when he was crucified. And in John chapter 20, beginning in verse 11, it says, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. Catch it, y'all. She's so desperate for her friend that she can't even be bothered that two angels are speaking to her. (laughs) Verse 14, as she turned around, she saw Jesus standing there. She did not realize that it was Jesus, but he was aware. He was aware of her, and he saw her. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? He asked her a question. Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me, where have you put him and I will go get him? And then Jesus said one word to her, Mary. He took action. He said her name, one word. That was all he needed to say. That was all she wanted to hear. It then says that she turned toward him and they were face to face. And she cried out, teacher. Jesus was a great friend to Mary. And Mary's story is really not too different from ours. You see, Mary went to the tomb looking for Jesus. And we have come here today at Valley Creek Church looking for Jesus. And you may say, no, I'm just looking for friends. Or no, I'm looking for a good church. Or I'm looking for, you're looking for Jesus. And he's here, and he sees you. And I believe the whole time that I've been talking, I think he's been asking you questions. I think he's been asking you, hey, what about this friend, or what about that friend? I think he's been asking you, are you sad? Are you lonely? Why have you given up? And he is ready, he's ready to take action in your life. He is aware of you. My question is, are you aware of him? Mary was looking for friend in dead places, and a lot of your friends may be looking for friendship in dead places, but that's where you can be a great friend because you have life inside of you. You have Jesus inside of you, and if you don't, today is the best day to meet him. I'd love to introduce you to him. When we live face to face, with him. 
He will then enable us to live face to face with them. You can become a great friend because you have a great friend in his name. His name is Jesus. So will you close your eyes with me? I said earlier that, that sometimes the best discussions come when we just get real. So now that y'all's eyes are closed, can I just get real with you and tell you that this message was really personal for me because it's a place that I know I need to grow in. And so as I processed it personally with the Lord, I sensed that Jesus said, you're aware of me in your head, but I want you to be aware of me in your heart. And I think sometimes you may think, yes, I know in my head, I know Jesus is aware of me, but we need to get that to our hearts. And so what is the Spirit saying to you right now? Where is He inviting you to be aware of Him so that you can be aware of them? Jesus, I thank you. You've modeled the greatest friendships and you are the best friend. So I thank you that you are aware of us. And because you are aware of us, we can live fully aware of others and we can lead them to the life that you have given us, the abundant life today and forever. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being our friend and we love you so much. In the sweetest, most precious name of our best friend Jesus, I pray, amen.